0: This is the God in All Things podcast, rooted in Ignatian spirituality and seeking the presence of God in the everyday.
1: The hope for God's kingdom at the end of time is the Christian utopia Jesus speaks of, where every tear will be wiped away, where a place will be prepared for us, and where the things that we thought were important in this world are no longer necessary. Star Trek, which I've written about before, paints a future where humanity has moved beyond the need for possessions and money. Hunger and poverty has been eradicated, and the drive for life is self-enrichment and the improvement of humanity. Looking through my Christian lens, I can appreciate this. Saint Ignatius teaches us that material things exist only for pursuing our purpose on Earth, to praise, reverence, and serve God. And truly reverencing God, I believe, is appreciating the life God's given us, using our gifts and abilities, enriching ourselves, and living lives of joy. But, says Ignatius, the material things should be gotten rid of if they hinder that purpose and become a distraction, or if they themselves become the goal. We can see in Star Trek the importance placed not on things, but on relationships and improving life. In the episode, The Neutral Zone, in season one of Star Trek The Next Generation, the Enterprise comes across an old space capsule from Earth, 370 years old. In it are three humans who were cryogenically frozen in the late 20th century. After transporting them back to the Enterprise and reviving them, we learn just how much humanity has changed. One of the survivors, named Offenhaus, is a financier, and is only focused on checking on his financial assets back on Earth, which were supposed to take care of him in the event he was revived in the future.
2: I need to make a phone call as soon as possible. A phone call? Yes, I have provided for myself. I have a substantial portfolio, and it's critical that I check on it. Let the bank know that I'm alive. and Well, uh, it's going to be a little difficult right at the moment. Well, do you at least have a copy of the Wall Street Journal?
1: No, Offenhouse doesn't fit in the 24th century. This man wakes up three and a half centuries later, and contacting his bank on Earth is his priority, so much so that he insists on interrupting the captain while the ship is in the middle of a dangerous mission. When he finally speaks to Captain Picard, the captain tells him that much has changed.
2: We are in a very serious and potentially dangerous situation. I'm sure whatever it is seems very important to you. But my situation is far more critical. I don't think you are aware of your situation. Or of how much time has passed. Believe me, I am fully cognizant of where I am and when. It is simply that I have more to protect than a man in your position could possibly imagine. No offense, Matt. But a military career has never been considered to be upwardly mobile. I must contact my lawyer. Your lawyer has been dead for centuries. Yes, of course, I know that. But he was a full partner in a very important firm. Rest assured, that firm is still operating. That's what all this is
0: about. A lot has changed in the past 300 years. People are no longer obsessed with the accumulation of things. We have eliminated hunger, want. The need for possessions. We've grown out of our infancy.
1: We've grown out of our infancy. It seems that from the Christian perspective, humans have somehow overcome the power of original sin and the inherent brokenness we find in humanity. Offenhaus tells the captain that it's never been about possessions, but about power.
2: Power to do what? To control your life, your destiny. That kind of control is an illusion.
1: Perhaps Captain Picard and his contemporaries have internalized the lessons of the spiritual exercises. All we have is gift, including material things and power. But such things are temporary and passing. What's truly necessary is something deeper humility. And Ignatius devotes an entire meditation in the exercises to humility. Even the Ignatian practice of discernment reminds us that while we have the freedom to make choices for our lives, the true control and destiny of our lives ultimately lies in the hands of God. As Offenhaus is caught up with learning the status of his portfolio, another survivor begins crying as she considers that she never got to see her children or grandchildren grow up, and now ten generations have passed. Her focus is not on possessions, but on relationships. We understand this. We realize that relationships are priceless, that we will give up all our money and possessions for the ones we love. Eventually, the captain arranges for another ship to take the three survivors back to Earth.
0: You can't stay on the Enterprise, but I have arranged for us to rendezvous with the USS Charleston
2: bound for Earth. They will deliver you there.
1: The reality hits Offenhouse.
2: Then what will happen to us? There's no trace of my money. My office is gone. What will I do? How will I live?
1: Picard reminds him that in the 24th century, material needs no longer exist. Then what's the challenge?
0: The challenge, Mr. Offenhaus, is to improve yourself, to enrich yourself.
1: Enjoy it. It's easy for us infant 21st century humans to get caught up with wealth. The accumulation of wealth becomes a challenge that drives many to build wealth far beyond their need. Jesus speaks against riches. Our salvation, our joy in God, does not come in wealth, but through giving, through the works of mercy, through relationships. He essentially tells the rich young man to improve himself in his understanding of genuine happiness. Love God and neighbor as you love yourself. That is true happiness. While Star Trek doesn't explicitly acknowledge a single creator of the universe, it does emphasize a loving care for self and neighbor. Humans in the Star Trek universe have allowed their relationships to move them beyond the need for money. It never satisfied anyway. Star Trek doesn't do away with the need for things. Things are necessary for their survival and for their mission. But there is an abundance of material goods, thanks to technology. So no one is competing for wealth. Wealth is no longer the challenge. Instead, it's learning, discovery, and humanitarianism. The reality for us is that those things are indeed a challenge. Altruism, performing the works of mercy, being humble, and helping our neighbors are not easy. The want for things or power distracts. The impact of this Star Trek episode is how immature Offenhouse looks to a 24th century human who does not understand how wealth can be so captivating and self-absorbing. But we don't need an episode of Star Trek to teach us this. As Christians, we have a teacher who reminds us that there is more to this life than the fleetingness of money, possessions, and power. As Captain Picard says, we can find enjoyment in a different kind of wealth the betterment of ourselves and the lives of others. That's certainly a message that Jesus would sign on to. I've previously unpacked the spirituality of Star Trek, and as a bonus, we'll share with you now a podcast episode from a couple years ago. In it, I talk about an episode from Star Trek Voyager, And I also play yet another episode on Star Trek from the past. So enjoy, and live long and prosper.
2: This
0: is the God in All Things podcast, rooted in Ignatian spirituality and seeking the presence of God in the everyday.
1: I watched an interesting episode of Star Trek Voyager a couple weeks ago called Someone to Watch Over Me. The subplot involved an ambassador from an alien race visiting Voyager. His people have strict religious and social protocols they must adhere to. Men and women work separately. They eat only bland food, and they pray eight times a day. It's no surprise their dress is rather monkish. The ambassador, away from his people and culture, gorges on food, gets drunk, and lusts after a couple women in a holodeck program. When his ship guide reminds him about his prayer service, he decides to forgo it and, as he says, perform the appropriate penance later. When his superior comes to meet him at the end of his stay, which was not very dignified of an ambassador, he asks if he's indulged in the culture's more colorful traditions. Of course not, he responds. The superior replies, "'It isn't a violation to explore new experiences,' as long as you don't make a habit of it. Lesson learned. This isn't the first time Star Trek has alluded to religion. I want to share with you a repeat podcast from September, where Star Trek addresses the deeper question of life after death. I'm a bit of a secret Star Trek fan. Not quite a Trekkie, but I appreciate the deep themes the franchise has addressed over the years, like race, justice, and faith. While Gene Roddenberry was known to be atheist and even anti-Christian, there were some moments where the deep questions of life and the universe were raised. In Star Trek Voyager, we see the deep Native American spirituality of Chakotay. In Star Trek The Next Generation, Counselor Troy helps bring out the interior feelings of the crew. Then, in one episode, Data approaches Captain Picard and asks about death.
0: Some see it as changing into an indestructible form, forever unchanging. They believe that the purpose of the entire universe is to then maintain that form in an Earth-like garden, which will give delight and pleasure through all eternity. On the other hand, there are those who hold to the idea... ...of our blinking into nothingness. With all of our experiences and hopes and dreams... merely a delusion. Which do you believe, sir? Considering the marvellous complexity of the universe... ...its clockwork perfection, its balances of this against that... ...matter, energy, gravitation, time, dimension... I believe that our existence must be more than either of these philosophies. That what we are goes beyond Euclidean or other practical measuring systems, and that our existence is part of a reality beyond what we understand now as reality.
1: It's a big question that Star Trek is not afraid to ask. With dying so present in the news, the killing in the Middle East, and even the recent death of actor Robin Williams, it's hard not to think about it. And we should not prevent our thinking about something so natural and everyday. Each religious tradition has its own concept of the afterlife, or none at all. They have rituals for burial and memorial, but our Christian tradition does not often consider the actual process of death. Yes, we can vividly imagine the fairly quick and gory death of Jesus on the cross, but that image did not help me when I cared for hospice patients whose breathing slowed and after hours stopped. Mark 15.37 says, Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last but those I knew did not die that dramatically. Death, I think for many, is a process involving reflection on one's life and relationship with the divine. How did we allow the divine to touch our lives, to animate us, to live as fully as possible? The spiritual exercises has us meditate on the point of death, asking us, if at that point we would have made this decision or that. On my long retreat, my director had me imagine myself on my deathbed, and it was then that I could feel what a dying person might feel in their heart. It is often said that death brings great clarity, where grudges and need for power and money are seen as foolish, and relationships, faith, and deeper things are brought to the fore. When Data asks Captain Picard about death, they are actually on the verge of death, minutes from self-destruction. Picard had a chance to consider briefly what Ignatius suggested. Are all our hopes and dreams a delusion? Most religious traditions say no. Our faith, our choices, the way we live, and the relationships we have are deeply meaningful. As my hospice patients died, perhaps they were pondering those same important things, considering their life and its meaning. Their families certainly were. Some do not die as slowly, but death naturally brings us to clarity. Ignatius knew this power of death, which is why he included it as a helpful part of a discernment process. For more Ignatian posts on death, visit GodInAllThings.com. Thanks for making it this far. I just want to remind you to pick up a copy of God Moments, Unexpected Encounters in the Ordinary. It's my new book from Ave Maria Press, and you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, at the Ave Maria Press website, Uh, And you can also find a link to it at IgnatianResources.com. And if you like this podcast, please write a review on our iTunes page. Thanks.